0: It's the Perry and Shawna Podcast on the real-life journey with you, reminding you that you are
1: Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. Emily DeYoung is in studio with us. She's a clinical director of counseling services at Winning at Home, and she holds a Ph.D. in psychology with an emphasis on child and adolescent counseling and a master's degree in social work. And I'm telling you what, she just, she brings joy She brings wisdom, and I love having conversations with you, Emily.
0: Shauna, thank you so much. Thank you for your (laughs) generous introduction, and I am so happy to be back in studio with you guys. It is the highlight of my week to hang out and just unpack some ideas. I know. Learn together, right? Talk about Jesus
1: and... Oh, all the things. But before we do that, how are you? I feel like it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Yeah, we were just reviewing
0: some of our travel excursions. And um, I'm great. I am so great. You know, it was interesting because I was talking with a colleague yesterday in January in West Michigan. was so incredibly cloudy. In fact, we were... um, I think it was the second cloudiest January to date. Really? As far as our record keeping goes. And and then last weekend, as you might remember, the sun came out and we had 99% sunshine yeah. for a few days. And we both just looked at each other and said, wow, we didn't realize how gray we were feeling yeah. until the sun came out. And yeah. wow, it's just um it's amazing what that does for a soul.
1: Yeah, I actually a couple of friends in the last week have shared with me just the that they're feel they're not people who normally kind of feel down and mm-hmm. they say I really can't put a finger on it but I just really been feeling down and yes the sun did come out but it's like all those days of gray yes. and no sun
0: impacted Definitely. Definitely. I mean, definitely. I was going say it impacted
1: us, but I wasn't here for much of it.
0: So. <laughs> it definitely had an impact of those of us who are in West Michigan. Right. <laughs> right. Uh huh. Yeah. It was, but that also started me thinking about how this time of year can just lend toward um, kind of d- discouragement mm-hmm. or um, emotionally unhealth. And so I thought we'd stop in this morning and talk a little bit about that. Yes, I love that idea. And I feel like even just talking about emotional health or
1: unhealth is is a fairly new conversation in the general public. Not for people who do what you do. But Uh when I was growing up, you know, I mean, my mom and dad, awesome mom and dad, love Jesus. But yeah, I'm pretty sure I heard if you want to cry, I'll give you something to cry about. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that was the message often, like
0: stop being angry, don't be mad, don't right. be sad, right? Like, don't feel what you feel, kind uh-huh. of thing. And
1: I'm not, I'm not throwing shade on my mom and dad. I love them to death, and and I'm so grateful for my upbringing. But I feel like we're in different times as far as being aware, yes, of our emotions, and and even um, being permission giving of them, and recognizing that emotions can be really, really
0: helpful indicators, like they can be information that we need. Absolutely. Emotions are so important and God created us with this beautiful gift. So acknowledging those emotions and understanding where they're coming from and how we attend to them is an essential part of the human journey.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: I recently... Kind of had this
1: aha moment in my relationship with the Lord where I I tend to feel guilty about my emotions Mm. a lot or feel negatively about my emotions or even disappointed that I have them. Like, Lord, why can't I just, you know, just be a steady Eddie and just not Mm. have highs and lows, that sort of thing. And just kind of wrestling that out with him and came to the realization that. He
0: created
1: emotions. Like they're not yes. they're not a result of the fall.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes. And Jesus experienced every single one of them. Yeah, right? Like it's it's part of the human experience to have emotions. and so to befriend them and nurture them and understand them um, is all a part of who I am today and what I like to talk about.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited to talk about just emotional health and what that looks like. And I specifically wanted to ask you today, Just what it looks like to have healthy emotional habits in our lives. Like, Can we set ourselves
0: up for success as far as how we handle our emotions? What a great question because when I think about habits, I think about things that are regular or consistent practices that are hard to give up. And so when I think about emotionally healthy habits, these are things that we would do on a regular basis, possibly even daily, that will impact our lifestyle. And, you know, it's interesting because we never underestimate the power of small habits. Because Mm -hmm. I was looking at um, some material about habits yesterday and it was talking about how walking 10,000 steps a day, which is it's. On all of our FitBeds, right? We, <laughs> it's encouraging to walk 10,000 steps a day. Yeah. But when we do that, we accomplish 70 marathons over the course of the year. Whoa! Right? And I've never thought of myself as being able to complete a marathon. Uh-uh. But <laughs> if I walk 10,000 steps a day over the course of the year, we are able to complete 70 marathons. Or I'm doing a a Bible reading plan this year that only requires 15 minutes of reading a day. And over the course of the year, we read the whole Bible. Mm. So we it's important not to underestimate the power of small habits in our lives. Are you doing the Bible recap again? I am. I I love it.
1: I'm doing it too. I have to admit, I'm like, I'm not going by date. I'm going by day, Uh right? So I think I'm like 20 days in, which means, in theory, it should be January 20, according to my reading plan. Uh-huh. So I'm really behind, but I'm giving myself some grace because... <laughs>
0: absolutely, absolutely. I haven't been in the country very much this year. <laughs> right, you haven't. Your time changed even. I, do you know what day it
1: is today, Sean? I'm doing, I'm doing okay now. I've been honest about the fact that it hit me late because I got back on Saturday, not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I, I felt fine, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh, wow! And Thursday, I was like... I'm done. Oh, I Put bet. a fork in me. I just hit this extreme exhaustion. But sure, yeah. There's I um I've heard and I can't remember what author said this and I want to give him credit. But we had an interview where somebody talked about the power of plotting. Yeah, and I really like that expression because that is that is the the power of the small habits that mm-hmm. we create in our lives. I mean, for for good and for bad. Absolutely,
0: right? we can create healthy habits or unhealthy habits. And from an emotional level, when I think about unhealthy habits, I, I ask myself frequently, what am I doing right now that is just promoting unhealthiness in my life? Mm. And, and it can be simple things like, you know, holding a grudge mm. towards someone else or, or bitterness or unforgiveness or um, emotionally unhealthy habit can be just squelching emotion, not paying attention to emotion, ignoring yeah. it um, or not processing it. Ooh. I feel like you, you nailed me with
1: that last one because <laughs> oh, no. I'm, I'm Perry. Kind of, we joke around about him. His wife is a therapist too. He's like, "Do you want me to bring in the emotions chart?" So, you, and I was like, "That would be super helpful because <laughs> I'm not very good at identifying what I feel." I know there are people listening right now who are in their seasoned years of life, right? Yeah, And they've probably not had a lot of conversations around paying attention to our feelings and what that looks like and why it's important. Why does it matter? And so I want to dive a little bit into the unhealthy parts of ourselves and how sometimes we aren't helping ourselves out by ignoring what's going on. Like, let's talk about self-talk. Yes. Can you just kind of define or explain what self-talk is? And let's like, talk about
0: how that can work against us. Absolutely. When I think about self-talk, I think about our thought life and paying attention to what we're paying attention to hmm. in our thoughts. And a lot of that self-talk can be critical or negative. And even things like I was walking to the mailbox the other day and on the way I was holding a few things in my hands. And I went to the mailbox, opened the mailbox and dropped everything on the ground and, of course, it's snowy and slushy outside, so everything's getting wet. Oh, no. and, and in my head, I had some pretty dark things to say to myself in that mm. moment. Like, why were you carrying so many things? Like, that was so silly of you, types of things. And realizing that, wow, I am I can be my worst critic mm-hmm. if I allow myself to be, when in reality... Um, If I stopped that and corrected that, I could have said, had a lot of grace in that moment and just said, wow, you're trying to do too much right in this moment. Mm -hmm. Let's just stop for a second. Wow.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Some self-compassion. Exactly. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I have been on a journey really only in the last maybe six years of paying attention to Mm self-talk, and I'm kind of surprised at some of the messages that I'm sending to myself about myself. like In that scenario, if I was carrying the mail and I dropped it, I could see myself before it even happened, saying,
0: "Shawnee, you are going to drop all this mail." Like you're gonna, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes, you know, like pre, <laughs> right, right, right. And you are right. And one of the exercises that I, I often do in my counseling office is just stop and allow folks to take a pen or a pencil and be completely quiet and ask them just to stop and pay attention to their thoughts for two minutes. And when we do that, it reveals a lot of things that are going on in our heads and our hearts. Mm-hmm. And frankly, our heads and our hearts are so connected because the things that we feel about definitely generate the things that we, uh, I'm sorry, the things that we think about definitely generate the things that we feel.
1: And they create
0: a pathway. Absolutely.
1: In our minds. So one of the things that I learned as a, over the last six years is that there was kind of themes Mm-hmm. To my self-talk. So indiv- we, we, we just highlighted an individual snapshot of a moment, right? But in my life, I could see that the theme over what I was telling myself was about my insignificance, how my life didn't matter, how even to the point of it would be better if I wasn't here.
0: Sure. I mean, those are some, that doesn't sound like anything that scripture says. Right. Right. And when we pay attention to that, a lot of times our thoughts are related to the beliefs that we have about ourselves, related to our purpose, our significance, or our belonging. And I think about a lot of our students who are so struggling to find a place where they really it can be long mm. and thrive and flourish. And so often their self-talk ends up with things like, um, people really just don't like me, or I don't deserve to be a part of a friend group.
1: So how do we... First, I understand the first step is just paying attention to what those messages are. But when we hear messages that don't line up with Scripture,
0: what do we do? The beautiful thing is we can do something, and we don't just have to be a victim of our own self-talk. We can turn it around and say, wait a minute, this thought does not align with Scripture. It does not align with who God says I am as a child of the King of Kings. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's almost like we can have an internal argument and talk back. Hey, to I like it. The self-talk that is it seems to be um, just so natural.
1: Let's dive a little bit more into that. How important it is to pay attention to our emotions and how it can be unhealthy if sure. we don't.
0: Sure. <clears throat> well, I I really wanted to spend a little bit more time on that, Shauna, because I think so often. In our busy culture, because we are just prone to busyness, our culture celebrates busyness and productivity, right? And often we are um, so chasing that productivity that we neglect to pay attention to Mm. our emotions. And sometimes I wonder to myself, like, what are we running from? Because if we're running as fast as we tend to be running, are we not pausing to pay attention to some of the pain or woundedness that we're experiencing in our lives?
1: Mm, That makes me think of when I was in India... I was in some really dark places and experienced some experienced some really difficult moments emotionally. And there were times I was specifically in a safe house with teenage girls and just the whole reality of of their life and the story of their life started to hit me all at once. And I started to get weepy. And I was like, this is not the time to process those emotions. And so I shoved them down. Sure. Because it wasn't. Right. It really wasn't the time. Right. But what, what I can tend to do is not... At the appropriate time, revisit them.
0: exactly, And so
1: talk about the damage
0: that's done if we just stuff, 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 stuff. Right. And we don't process. Right. And when we do bury those emotions, it affects us physically. And there have been wonderful research studies that have shown that when we neglect paying attention to our emotions, that we can have things, um, heart disease and mm. um, diabetes and uh, skin trouble and mm. all kinds of different um, physical maladies that are related to that type of... That we wouldn't even probably think. Was exactly.
1: Anyhow, yeah exactly know, emotionally connected. How does not paying attention to what we're feeling impact our relationships with other people?
0: When we bury those emotions, it, it certainly impacts um, our own selves, right? But when, and when I think about our relationships with other people, not being transparent really prevents us from having a healthy attachment with mm. others. And it's so beautiful when we're willing to be authentic and share our stories. And the intimacy that develops in a relationship on that level then allows us to go deep and have a bond with another person um, in a way that is just so beautiful and the way that God intended. Yeah, that, I, that makes me think of, I'm sure you've had this happen in your life too, when somebody's
1: telling a story and maybe it's not exactly like your story, but there's this human connection. Maybe I, I know just last week I was talking about when I first went to India, I felt afraid. I, I didn't know, I knew what I was stepping into and that it was going to be spiritually dark. And I was f- afraid for my own safety. Sure. And so when I got to the hotel, it was like 2.30 at night. I'd been traveling for 30 hours and I was really, really tired and I just really needed to sleep. It was going to be a short night's sleep before the day started. But I was laying there in bed awake and I couldn't, I could not fall asleep because I was afraid. Sure. Fear was keeping me awake. And so I got up and I took the chair that sits by the desk in the hotel and I put it like in front of the door and <laughs> wedged it a little bit. And then, uh-huh. and then I prayed myself to sleep. Mm-hmm. But that's the kind of thing you may not have been in India or had that exact same experience. But I think in the
0: human, in the humanity of it, we can connect to feeling afraid. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even as you were sharing that story is immediately I had in my mind situations in my life where I felt that similar fear of just being threatened or in dangerous situations. So common stories create these beautiful bonds. Mm. And when we can share those with each other, even at an emotional level, um, again, it just creates an attachment.
1: Yeah, and if we don't, we miss out on that. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. There's a quote that I love um, from Maya Angelou who said that there's no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside of you. And when you're That's powerful, right? I should just probably pause there for a second. Yeah, would you say that again? Yeah, there's no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside of you. And if you think about that, when you're Mm -hmm. holding something inside, and have you had that experience on the other side where you have something – sort of significant that happens throughout your day and you think, oh, I can't wait to tell uh, for me often it's my husband. I can't wait to tell him what happened today. And, and because it's exciting. And the same thing happens when you have uh, an emotion that's buried and you're thinking, man, it's it's hard work to keep it inside of you. And there's it creates agony, mm-hmm. and often guilt.
1: I wanna know, Emily, how not paying attention
0: negatively impacts our relationship with the Lord. Sure. And when I think about bringing my whole self to the Lord and being in a relationship with Jesus, I want to bring my whole self to him. And certainly I want that to be uh, a relationship where I'm listening as much as I'm talking. And in fact, we did a practice, um, really recently where we were compelled to worship in this in a in a tough situation mm. and sometimes in that sense um we can have some conflicting emotions but it can be a both and where i'm feeling we talked about feeling frightened in the last segment i'm feeling afraid for this situation within my family and yet when i bring that fear to the lord and say even if i am going to even if the situation mm. the outcome is uncertain i am going to worship you then we can take that, um, that really frustration or fear and make it something that's beautiful and surrender it to the Lord because the Lord holds it anyway.
1: Yeah, in the honest, if we're not honest, then we kind of miss the full trust that is required, right? But if we can be open and honest and vulnerable about what we're feeling
0: in front of God and with God. right. And the beautiful thing is in the Psalms, it gives us great examples yes. of how the psalm writers, uh, especially David, really wrestled with some really tough emotions about feeling sometimes forsaken or alone or isolated. And throughout that psalm, he will really grapple with that and wrestle with that with the Lord and, and Lord, where are you mm. in this circumstance? And yet, in every psalm, with the exception of Psalm 88, I believe it is, right. that it turns over to, but the Lord is present. Mm. He's faithful. He is good and he wants what's best for you.
1: It almost I think being honest with God about our emotions is almost like stepping through a doorway. It's an invitation to hand over
0: what we're feeling into the hands of someone who can actually do something about it. Right. And often I encounter people in my practice who will say to me, "But Emily, I don't feel like it's okay to be angry with God." Hmm. And yet I would, I would compel them to say, look, it's okay to be angry with God. In fact, when you give yourself permission, give yourself that space in your relationship, He will meet you there. Mm. My God is big enough to meet yeah. me in all of my emotions.
1: One of our listeners responded, and Emily, I'd love to read his response to you and, and for us to chat about it. I would love that. Okay. So he said, the day... No, the moment that I accepted Christ, I was compelled to go to the mirror of all places and through the Holy Spirit, I confronted the self-talk the moment after I accepted Christ. I literally heard the voices that have been haunting me for my entire life, telling me that I was worthless, telling me that I was unlovable, all the things. And my new love relationship, I was able to speak the truth over myself. And it meant so much
0: to me. Isn't that beautiful? I love It's love powerful. That. And I love the posture of looking into the mirror while you're saying these mm-hmm. things and seeing yourself in all of your glory and, and speaking that truth right into the mirror. Such There's a,
1: a power in identifying what those negative messages are, isn't there? Mm-hmm. I mean, they actually, it's almost like a power transfer in some ways. Right. Because what, what we feel victim to we kind of take control of when we say, okay, this is what I'm hearing. These are the messages that are coming at me.
0: Right. And so often when I work with kids, we talk about being the boss of our own self-talk. Mm. So I get to be the boss. I get to be in charge of those messages that I say to myself. And when I do that, it gives me some agency and control over the belief system that I hold. And then ultimately my feelings.
1: Right. And and we talked about earlier too, just speaking as the boss, you can... Tell those emotions or those voices to stand down. Yes, I can
0: be the boss and I can say, you know what? I am. I am worthy. I am loved. I am cherished. And how do I know that? Because it says so in the word of God.
1: Yeah. Have you had one of those like look in the mirror moments?
0: Absolutely. And in fact, I go back to days when I was in college. I'm 51 now. But when I was in college, I struggled a lot with anxiety, and especially social anxiety, where I was constantly grappling with what am I saying? And um, how are other people perceiving me? And I I really just don't think that anyone will like me. Mm -hmm. And then in that journey, I came to realize that I was, again, my own worst enemy, as far as um, social relationships go. And I got to the point where I had to look in the mirror and say... Emily, you are loved, mm-hmm. you are loved. And it really doesn't matter what other people think of you because you need to live for an audience mm-hmm. of one.
1: Yeah, that's so good. And and these are, these are realities and truths that we need to keep leaning into. I think a lot of times when we talk about this sort of thing and Chris's testimony of, of how he walked in the mirror and the Holy Spirit led him to speak truth over himself, it's, it's such a powerful moment about his moment of conversion. Yes. But as we walk in relationship with God, I feel like the Holy Spirit is is kind to continue to bring those things up to me so that I can continue to address them. And for me, it's
0: definitely not been a one and done. Right. It's been ongoing. Right. And he keeps revealing new things to us each day. And I loved your prayer earlier when you talked about each day we have the opportunity to be a little bit more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. And in those incremental steps make all the difference. And so when we pay attention to our self-talk and we notice things that don't align more with who God says we are, then we can just confront those little by little.
1: I was thinking about kind of the messages that you were sharing when you were in college and what kind of the the self-talk mm-hmm. messages. Sometimes when we when we hear those messages <laughs> Okay, I'm going to try to articulate this as best I can hang with me, Emily. But these messages come at us and they tell us who we are, mm-hmm. who we've been and how we behave. But I think oftentimes more than telling us about our past, they're they're predicting a future for us. They're right. actually messages that we walk out
0: right. if we believe them. Right. And the beautiful thing is throughout scripture, God sees us not for where we are in this moment, but who we were created to be. And so often He and he calls the Israelites into that. In the Old Testament, when he talks about, I see you as my chosen, my beloved, my obedient. Mm. And and yet we know from yeah. their stories that they're not, right? right? Oh, well, Gideon, right. you are a valiant warrior. And right. he's hiding
1: in the wine press. Yes. yes. I had a experience with the Lord where I got to see something in my mind's eye, and it was a gift from him. Mm. And what he showed me was, it happened to be on my 35th birthday, which was just He always gives me birthday gifts. I expect them. He's a good dad. What good dad doesn't give his daughter a good gift? Uh (laughs) So it was my 35th birthday. I was in worship. And then in my mind's eye, I saw this. um, Jesus was in front of me. And I was about... 18 months old, two years old. I was wearing a blue cotton dress with black patent shoes and white lace socks Mm. and had a tiny little bow in my barely there hair and my bifocal glasses on. And he was standing in front of me and his arms were extended to me, like inviting me to him. And I was very naively like, oh, yeah, okay," Mm. Just kind of like walking towards him, like not really knowing who he was, but feeling safe and walking towards him. And then in an instant, I was thirty five. And which was the day of my birthday, right? I was 35 at the time that this happened and Jesus was in front of me and I just fell on my Mm. face, just wept Mm. at his feet. Shame, you know, just like so much like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, just a lot of things going on there. He reached down and got my attention, took me by the hand and helped me to stand up again. And just like that, I was like 80. 80. Oh, wow. And I'm looking at it, the whole time I was heading towards him, right? But this time, it was almost with as much ease as when I was a toddler, but with all the wisdom, Mm. all the knowing of who he is, but just as comfortable heading towards him. And I feel like one of the gifts that God gave me in that moment was I see you, mm. and, and not only I see you at thirty-five, or I'm stuck in this moment
0: with you, but when I look at you, I see the whole spanse of you. Yes, I. Oh, Shauna, I love that because he sees you through the lens of Jesus,
1: Emily. Help me to understand some good, healthy habits that I can establish in my life that will that will benefit those things, that will help me to, Well, um, oh, there's a lot of talk about being emotionally mature or emotionally, yeah. what, what's the word I'm looking for? Do, do you I'm know? not sure what you're oh, looking okay. for, but I
0: thought, I thought emotionally mature was emotionally mature. Let's go with that. <laughs> okay, perfect. Perfect. And I do think it's valuable to think about what are those, we talked about those incremental things that we can be doing on a daily basis that end up being powerful changes. And it's important to recognize too that we need to do those things that have self-compassion, as we mentioned, and also just this idea of self-care. What are we doing on a regular basis? What are those habits that promote self-care in our lives? All right. So what are some examples of of what those habits would look like. Sure, so one thing that I advocate for regularly is just this idea of a mood log or an emotion Mm. log where we can keep track of on every day, we keep track of how are we feeling? And in, I mentioned in January, it was so cloudy here in West Michigan, and I would be curious if we had done mood logs in January, how many folks would have yeah a pretty
1: cloudy existence. <laughs> right, right. If it would just like mirror the weather <laughs> exactly. forecast. Right,
0: yeah. right. But when we keep track of things, we also notice patterns that mm. emerge. and. And there may be certain triggers that affect us and our emotions fluctuate regularly, but there can also be patterns that emerge over time. That's so interesting because I I
1: definitely did this for my kids when they were little. Mm -hmm. I pay attention to the things that... How, how, to their moods and the things that were helpful in creating good moods and the things that were not helpful, where they seemed to be resistant, I paid attention. I I saw patterns.
0: Absolutely, and personally, I can attest to the fact that last fall I was going through a season I was really struggling in a couple of relationships and. Over time, I was keeping track on my mood log. And over time, I noticed I, I typically rate it on a scale of one to 10, one being rather low, and then 10 being uh, on the high end. And over time, I noticed that, wow, I have a lot of threes and fours. Mm. And, and it forced me to think about what am I doing that's perpetuating this pattern in my life? And how then can I take action, take agency, and then make that make a difference? And how can I choose joy?
1: That's so interesting because I think a lot of times we're just victims of our feelings. We don't think about what we could do that would influence our feelings. Right, right. And yet we can have a powerful influence in our feelings on the daily. I'm literally taking notes. I put down rate it, you know, mood log, rate 1 to 10. Also, I just recently realized that iPhone under the health app has got a kind of a mood. Yes. An opportunity to record how you're feeling. Right.
0: And there are so many mood apps on our hmm. phones that are free. And so there's really no reason not to take advantage of that opportunity to pay attention to how we're feeling.
1: Yeah, that's really good. You have some more for me? Other sure. habits we can establish? Yeah.
0: And I was thinking in, re- in response to the log that we're noticing, the next step, and we're t- talking specifically about health or self-care, we need to start thinking about what is it on an individual level that I can do? Because the self care that i practice shauna will be very different than yours yeah because of who i am and the things that fill my cup and in that old saying about i can never pour from an empty cup Mm -hmm. right like i need to recharge my batteries in order to be um in order to be in healthy relationship with myself and other people so what do i need to do to do that um, for me, it's definitely rest yeah. and it's definitely being outdoors and soaking in some sunshine and being present with the Lord. And uh, often for me, being alone and walking in the woods and going on a mm. hike, um, God just reveals some really sweet things to me when I'm in that space. So that's how I fill my cup up. But I'm curious, how do you fill your cup up? Yeah,
1: that's so good. I definitely this week with the sunshine I, on Monday, actually, I was going to have a small group and we were going to meet over the phone rather than in person. And I so I grabbed my AirPods and I was like, "I'm going for where I'm going for a walk. I'm going to do this meeting out there because uh-huh. it's so beautiful." But typically, I think one of the ways that I take care of myself and pay attention to my feelings is journaling. Yeah, a lot of times I don't know what I'm feeling until I start writing, and mm-hmm. then it kind of comes out of me in that way. And so it's one of the ways that i pay attention to what i'm feeling.
0: Oh, beautiful. I love journaling. The other thing that we've talked about the last time i was here, we talked about gratefulness mm. and how that practice of gratefulness when i begin listing the things that i'm grateful for, i i definitely feel like that advances our self-core.
1: If we were to zoom in and focus on uh, our emotional health and our relationships with other people, if if I'm to be totally honest with you, some of the most painful relational moments that I've had in my life have been when somebody was upset with me and they were unwilling to reconcile. Like they wouldn't tell me why they were mad at me. Like they just, you know, strong arm you and got to yeah. keep you at a distance. I'm like, I'm done with you.
0: And sure. I'm like, oh,
1: that is incredibly painful.
0: It is so painful. Right. And can you focus on the feeling that you had at that time? What was that like for you? Can you label that? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Complete rejection. Yes. Right. Is that a feeling? It is absolutely (laughs) a feeling, Sada. And you're exactly right. In, In our relationships with others, we're often very vulnerable. And when things like that happen, when we have a falling out in a relationship, it attacks us at the core, feeling abandoned and rejection. And so it's important for us to be thinking about how, how does that impact our emotions, but then how can we create emotional health in our relationships as well? And part of that health comes from being honest and being willing to be transparent and humble. So if a friend comes to you and says, wow, you know what, I was just really offended by that, that situation that happened and what you said really hurt my feelings. Am I willing to say, I'm sorry yeah. that I've offended you? Yeah. So there's a vulnerability in sharing our own feelings with
1: other people in relationship, but there's also a vulnerability blah, 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 in receiving what they're saying to you in that moment, right? And owning owning what right. they to own for you personally.
0: Right. And we can only be responsible for our own thoughts and feelings and emotions, our own behaviors in those relationships. So when you talk about a friend who was unwilling to reconcile with you, you can't control that other person. You can't control their willingness to reconcile, but I can control my response to that and, and my own thoughts and behaviors related to it. And so in those relationships, sometimes I encourage people to take an inventory of the relationships in their lives and, and draw a circle and and make it a target where there's a bullseye in the middle and then there's an inner circle and a concentric circles Mm -hmm. and, and evaluate those relationships in your life. Who are those folks who are in your inner circle And are they life-giving influences for you? Do they draw you closer to Jesus? And in that, I often will think about um, those people who I'm willing to call and say, man, I have a really hard thing going on. Will you pray for me? And those are the folks that can be in your inner circle. Mm.
1: That's really good. That makes me think about Jesus himself and the way that he did relationships because he— was so open to people. He really opened up his life to people. He had the masses for sure, but then there was the 12, mm-hmm. but
0: then there was the three. Like right. He had his inner circle, his target. And those folks can be really hard to find. And now that I'm in my 50s too, I hear a lot of women who come into my office and say, Emily, I don't have a person in my life mm. who's willing to go there with me. And, and so I know that there's a, a culture of loneliness mm. out there. And, and my my suggestion to you would be um, be willing to be one of those folks in another person's life. And mm-hmm. I had the gift yesterday. I was driving home, and a friend called me and said, Emily, I have this really difficult thing. I'm going to visit my mom who's dying. Will you just spend time praying for me right now? And I consider that such a gift, Shauna, to be in that sacred space with a friend who is entering into a difficult circumstance. And mm-hmm. what a privilege. Yeah, I just had a,
1: got a text from a friend yesterday. She said, you're one of my refrigerator friends, and then went on to explain, like, the people that come over your house, and they just help themselves, they just (laughs) open up the fridge, and you know what I mean? We need refrigerator friends. We We absolutely do. We need people who just can walk
0: on in and just be at home. Right. Yeah, and it's, in in order to find those friends, my encouragement to you is be that type of friend Mm -hmm. to someone else. That's such, that's such a good word.
1: Creating emotionally healthy habits can benefit us personally, our relationships with other people, and also our relationship with God. Yes, let's talk about some of those healthy habits that we might put in place to help
0: us to grow in our relationship with the Lord. Right. And as we wrap up, Shauna, I do want to emphasize the point too that our emotions inform us, but our emotions are also temporary. So the the way the way that I feel today might not be the way that I feel tomorrow. And so, because of that, it's important that we never make a decision out of a place of emotion, but that we allow our. thinking brain to help us with it decision making.
1: And how I imagine that in my mind is like my emotions get to be along for the ride. They get to be in the back seat, but I'm not gonna hand over the
0: keys. Exactly. Yeah, that's a beautiful (laughs) metaphor. I get to stay in the driver's seat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the boss. I'm the boss of my emotions. I'm the boss of my emotions. Right. So what are some healthy
1: things that we can put in place, habits that we can kind of establish that That are
0: good emotionally for our relationship with the Lord. Yes. And I do believe that our prayer life is a key component of that. And being honest about our emotions with the Lord, but then also allowing the Lord to um, meet us where we're at and spending time there. And I love the practice of listening where Mm -hmm. I just sit before the Lord with hands open and say, Lord, if you walked in the room right now, What would you have to say to me in this moment? Whoa,
1: Mm -hmm. that's
0: really powerful. It is really powerful. And and when I can quiet my mind for just a couple of minutes, it's amazing um, what happens in that space.
1: That's a great habit, and it can happen anywhere. It can happen where you're driving, while you're driving. It can happen at your desk, right now where you are. You can just stop, take a moment, and ask the Lord that question. Mm-hmm. Can you take me to a moment when you asked that question and maybe you were surprised by what he said to you?
0: Mm, I can, because it was probably one of the most beautiful moments with Jesus in my life. I was in the woods and I I paused and I reflect and I said, Jesus, if you were here right in this moment, what would you have to say to me? And I was thinking at the time about what he had done for me on the cross and so humbling to think about Jesus and His death, mm-hmm. but in that moment, He looked at me, Shauna, and He said to me, "Emily, come and dance with me." And it was so beautiful because it was—I was just picturing Jesus grabbing me by the hand, and—and—and and, and I'm not a dancer by any means, but to—to to imagine this like this ballroom dance type yeah, of feel yeah, with yeah. my my Lord and Savior, and and how much He cherished me in that moment was one of the most pinnacle moments uh, of faith in my life.
1: That's so beautiful. And I feel like one of the beautiful things about that is we don't have to be a good dancer because he's such a good lead. Yes. Like he's such a good lead. He's such a good leader. And I just imagine him with his hand on the small of your back, just yes. saying, I got you. I got you, kid. Yes. Yeah. I love that. That's so good. Thank you for spending time with us today. I learned. I always do when you're here and I'm so grateful. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Emily D Young of Winning at Home. You can connect with her just Google Winning at Home. <laughs> Emily yes, D Young, please. And you need to get a hold of Emily's book Peanut Butter Pie. Oh, thank you. Yes. I- Loved it so much. Thank you. I, okay, so I, I know we're running out of time, but I love not only the message of the book, but the tools in the back of the book mm-hmm. to help use the book, uh, open up conversations, to help process feelings and emotions, and the imagery. Mm. Really, the illustrations were s- just pulled me
0: in. Thank you. He did such a fantastic job with those illustrations, didn't he? I loved it. But yes. Please feel free to pick up a copy of Peanut Butter Pie. It's a just a quick little book about how to help kids, especially dealing with big emotions. And where can we get our hands on Peanut Butter Pie? In West Michigan. You can find the book at Family Central, right okay. downtown Holland, or you can go to our website at www.winningathome.com. There you go.
1: www.winningathome.com. Thanks for letting Barry and Shawna walk the real-life journey with you. The content from the Perry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show, Perry and Shauna Mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.